0: Shalom, Mishbuchah. Shalom, family. Mishbuchah is a Hebrew word, means family, and we're the Mishbuchah, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishbuchah. The truth is, are you getting ready, Mishbuchah? Because this is the wrap up. I believe that. We are, what the Orthodox rabbis say, in the footsteps of Messiah. Uh, We're we're heading rapidly to the day of the Lord. And there is an openness in the eyes of Jewish people that has not occurred for 2,000 years. And that's why the Jewish person that has crossed your path is not an accident. God wants you to demonstrate the kingdom and then love them to the Messiah. My guest, Judith McNutt, uh, many of you have heard of uh, her and her husband, Judith and Francis McNutt. uh, But she has just come out with a brand new book. Uh, that, and an aspect of her that I had never heard about, and I'm so intrigued. Uh, she lived in Israel. She actually worked in the garden tomb in Jerusalem, and she had encounters with the angelic that now she teaches on, And as she teaches, it opens up the spiritual understanding of those that listen, and they can, for the first time in their life, begin to see angels, uh, know what to look for as far as seeing angels, and cooperate with the angelic so that God's kingdom can rule on earth. Uh, And, uh, uh, Judith, I'm going to take you back to uh, about eight years of age. You became a believer, and your mother was quite a woman of God. Everyone in the neighborhood knew that if they got sick, they could go see your mother. Tell me about the neighbor who had cancer.
1: Oh, yes. We uh, had—he was actually the doctor's son, and he had cancer, and it was uh, the same— same kind of cancer that the young Kennedy boy had that had to have his leg amputated Ted Kennedy's son Mm -hmm. and he had uh, medical verification the tumor was on the bone they were going to fly him to Mayo Clinic that week amputate the leg and my mother prayed with him and by the time they got to Mayo Clinic the tumor was completely gone the cancer was healed and he's much older now and very happy and has both legs so it was a it
0: was quite a miracle, really. You know, I don't understand this, but many people that I interview that have very significant ministries, it's as if the devil had a little bit of insight that they were going to do something special for God and tries to snuff their life out at a young age. For instance, when you were eight also, a drunk ran you over in their car uh, and, uh, they, in fact, and you were in such bad shape, they were afraid that you wouldn't even survive if, if you had took the ride to the hospital. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I was a little girl, and, and uh, the, you remember the, the proms? I think they still have them in high schools. My mother let me go out to the high school on my bicycle to see the prom, and uh-huh. r- unfortunately, this young man had been drinking. And he literally hit, hit me and then ran over me. And uh, they carried me back to my home. The town I lived in was 80 miles from Lexington, where the closest hospital was. And the next-door neighbor, who is a doctor, said, don't even bother. She won't make it. And so my mother had them put me in bed, and she sat beside my bed for three days and prayed. And uh, at the end of three days, I woke up, and I was totally healed.
0: What, what – you know, I wasn't a believer until I was 30. What impact does it have on a little girl to see a, a doctor's son healed of cancer uh, to the, for yourself? Uh, you, were, you were too messed up to survive a car ride to the hospital uh, uh, and, and get healed after three days of seeing your mother pray. What effect did it have on you?
1: That's a great question. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was a God in heaven and that he loved all of us very much. I felt so secure in the love of God when I was a child and in, and in, and in the reality of God. I knew God was there. It wasn't like I questioned that at all. And I knew he loved us.
0: And, I mean, you've been healed of uh, at least one other major thing. You had severe asthma to the point where your folks would go to Florida every winter just because your condition was so bad. How would you get healed of the severe asthma?
1: Well, again, uh, yeah, we we moved to Florida every year from Kentucky because I couldn't get through the winters in Kentucky. I mean, they actually bought a house and moved us, you know, in the winter and we'd come back in the spring And this one year, I had a very serious asthma attack, and there was nothing they could do to reverse it. And my mother went and got another man that she knew had a healing gift and brought him. I remember just vaguely seeing him come into the living room with my mother, and they laid hands on me. And I was instantly healed, completely healed, not just that episode.
0: Uh, I I would think if if the experiences you had, I had had as, as a young person... I would believe that everyone I prayed for would get healed. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would have such childlike faith. I imagine you had that.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm in the healing ministry today. Oh, okay.
0: Let's speed forward to, uh, fast forward to 1971. Uh, you lived in Jerusalem. Uh, why did you go to um, Jerusalem?
1: God, I was working as a psychologist up in Boston several different hospitals, and I took a weekend retreat on Cape Cod to hear God's guidance, and he told me to move to Jerusalem uh, to become a witness for peace and reconciliation there.
0: Okay, so, so you're in Jerusalem, uh, you go to one of my f- favorite places in Jerusalem, the oh. Garden Tomb, uh, and a woman walks up to you. Was this a total stranger?
1: Actually, there was several people. It was not just one woman. It was a tour group.
0: Okay, and what happened?
1: Well, they asked me if I knew Jesus, and I told them I knew all about him, and uh, yes. But they said, do you want to know him better? And I said, always. And they asked if they could pray for me, and they laid hands on me. And When they started praying, Sid, they were all praying in different languages, and I thought they were from different countries. Uh, because I didn't know what that was. They were praying in tongues. I didn't understand that at the time. And when they prayed for me, i it's the only time in my life I've had this experience. I was lifted into heaven, and I heard God's voice. And uh,
0: uh, what did he say?
1: Well, he, he called my name. Uh, none of those women knew my name. Uh, and he, he said, Judith. And then he said, I love you. I have always loved you. You are mine. And at that moment, I felt this. It was the only way I know how to describe it is like liquid gold or love or something poured out on my head, and it went all over my body. And uh, I saw these. I saw the brightest lights. Uh, you do, there's nothing equal to them in this world. And I was there for a long time. And when I opened my eyes, all the people were gone. And I was standing alone. I don't know how long I was there.
0: Now, what, when you were lifted up to heaven, I'm curious. Uh, you heard your name, but did you see anything?
1: Well, the only thing I could see, I could see some vague forms. But what I, what is seared into my memory was the lights, the burning, the lights, the, the brilliance, uh, the sound of heaven, the worship, um, but not like a throne or. You know, clear images. And, of course, when I wrote the book on angels, what I realized is the seraphim, the cherubim, all of those burn. They're, they're called burning ones and brilliant ones. So there's, it's, heaven is light. It's just made up of all this brilliant light.
0: Now, at that time, you uh, were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in supernatural languages— And uh, I would have to believe, as we discussed before we started the radio broadcast, you were forever changed because of that encounter of going to heaven.
1: Oh, yes, yes. It, It was even more powerful than being healed all those times, because the reality of the spiritual realm just became so obvious. Like the other times when I was healed as a child, it was like God's power coming to me. But this time, he took me to him in the spiritual realm.
0: When when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, what happened?
1: Well, what really—I think what all of our hearts cry out for, even your listeners, it's to know that we're loved. Our deepest need is to know we're loved. And unfortunately, in college, I'd wandered away from God quite a bit. So it was after college, after graduate school, that this prayer happened— and it just drew me back into that deepest heart of God, and that presence this presence said this is this is what really changed uh, after that too. I knew the love of God, but his presence was so strong with me, I actually felt like somebody was walking with me, somebody was in the car with me. I had to adjust to this presence that entered my life at that moment, even though I'd been a Christian before. It was like another dimension of a greatness a, magnitude.
0: Now, at another time, you came back to Jerusalem, you actually found yourself working in that wonderful place, the garden yes. tomb. And if I understand this correctly, you would spend hours and hours worshiping God in in the tomb, in the empty tomb um, uh, itself.
1: Yes, after, after hours, I would go in there uh, after it was all locked up, and I would pray, and angels would come they're there all the time but they I was allowed to kind of be with them in the garden. I
0: tell you what I want to hear about as you were worshiping God the angels would join in and worship with you but we're out of time and I want to make available to you her brand new book Angels are for real, and the two CDs, The Ministry of Angels and The Kingdom of God and Angels, uh, and I'm gonna tell you something, there's such an anointing on this, you will have hear experiences, you'll get the scripture on angels, you'll understand angels like you never have before, and you'll be able to realize and discern the working of angels in your life, uh, and you'll be able to cooperate with them, and when you hear this teaching and read the book, your eyes are going to be open, available for a gift of $30. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 447 2697 My guest, Judith McNutt, I haven't asked her much about this, but I think she's got to have a gigantic Jewish heart because... Uh, God called her to uh, live in Jerusalem. Uh, She was actually working in the garden tomb. And you told me your father, who wasn't even a believer, what happened the first time he walked into that tomb?
1: Yeah, I took him after hours, after everyone had left. And he went into the tomb, and within a matter of seconds, I mean, less than a minute, he came back out. He was ashen. He was white. He said, there's someone in there. And I started laughing because that's where I'd always go to pray, and the angels were there. And uh, he just—he felt it. He—he couldn't stay in there because he—he he wasn't a believer at the time.
0: Well, you would stay in there for hours and hours after the uh, garden tomb closed down and worship God. And when were you aware of angels worshiping with you?
1: Oh, it, it was almost immediate. Uh, that's why I continued to stay. There, there was like a glowing, glowing light and presence over the actual slab where Jesus's body was laid, and then you could you could hear them too, just worshiping.
0: Uh, what did they sound like
1: when they when they worship? Many times they sing in languages that I call heavenly languages because I don't know what they are. But what what strikes me because the words don't matter too much to me. I, I realize they're just telling God how much they love Him. But what always strikes me is that the harmonies, uh, they're unlike any harmonies that we have when we sing together. Uh, It reminds me of, like, the night they appeared when Jesus was born, and the sky split open, and they were singing. I think it's just an incredible harmony.
0: You know, I've heard stories of people where their eyes have been opened and when, say, Christians are dancing in a circle. They could see angels, a band of angels all around them, dancing exactly the way the believers were dancing. And you're saying when you were worshiping God, it almost caused the angels to worship God at the same time uh, I think they're waiting for believers to dance before the Lord and to sing before the Lord but it's why do they join in do you have any insight into that
1: well I see I think they're drawn into our love for God I think they're really joyful that that we are expressing our love through dancing or singing or just on our knees and I think they're drawn into that because their whole nature is so joyful And they they love to worship. I mean, they were created to worship. That was one of their main functions. So when we worship, they love to join us.
0: Now, uh, describe to me, what is an angel? What is the biblical definition, from your understanding of scriptures, of an angel?
1: Well, it tells us in Hebrews, uh, you know, if, if someone wants to read that, it tells us in Hebrews that angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those that will inherit salvation. And so there's, they're the angels that come to serve us when God commands them to come and help us. But they're, they're, in Greek and Hebrew, it actually, the words that are used for angel means messenger, that they, they bring messages from God, messages of healing, freedom, uh, direction,
0: now, I remember uh, many years ago, I, I was by myself and I was taking a plane from New York to um, uh, someplace in Russia. It might, it might have been Moscow or uh, one of the other cities there. And I just uh, – this was a long time ago and they had the pay phones and I was calling my wife to tell her uh, you know, the last goodbye before I was, I was going to Russia uh, and there was a man at the next pay phone. And I I looked at him, and he was staring at me. So I kind of looked away. And then I turned around to look at him, and there was no one there. And then there was a long corridor. I looked down the corridor because he couldn't have gotten too far down the corridor, and there was no one there. Whoever that man was, he disappeared. Uh, is that uh, – uh, I mean, and that that was uh, – you know, that's ingrained in me. I believe that was an angel.
1: I believe it was, too. That, that's kind of their, their signature, you know, that they've been there, is that they, when they appear in human form, which obviously this angel did, they disappear in front of our eyes. That's what makes it so convincing. But
0: he didn't talk to me. Why didn't he talk to me?
1: He was there just to encourage you and to show you a supernatural gift. He brought you a gift from God. Basically, that there's, the angels are around you, which you remember to this day because of that.
0: Oh, I can even remember what he looked like, and it was many, many years ago. I don't remember how many years ago, but I remember what he looked like. And now, now you have. Uh uh had some amazing healings in your own life and many others, uh, but I have to think one of the most dramatic healings you had was when you had uterine cancer. Uh, yes. Tell me about that.
1: Well, I was a young woman. I was just around the age of 29 or 30, and I just had a regular pap smear like most women have, and it came back irregular, and they did biopsies, and it came back uh, positive, positive. And my doctor sent me to a surgeon uh, because he said I had to have a hysterectomy. And, of course, at that time, I wanted to marry and have children. Uh, And so I went to a Christian surgeon in Tampa, Florida. And I took all my x-rays, all my tests, everything. And I said, you know, he examined me. And after he examined me, he said, you've been healed. He said, you don't have this anymore. And I said, how can you know that? And he said, well... Malignant tissue is irregular, off-colored, kind of gray, dark. He said, all the uterine tissue is like bright pink, like a baby. He said, you've had a creative miracle. And uh, I I was stunned, but I I had had prayer the night before. As a matter of fact, one of the people praying for me was my husband, who was not my husband at that time. And uh, Chris...
0: When they prayed for you, did you feel anything?
1: Well, I did, yes. I, I felt the power of God. Uh, but but what I really felt, I was sitting in the chair and I had my head on the back of the chair because about five people were praying. And my my husband, Francis, now who was praying for me, uh, had his hand on my head and he I thought that he was pressing rather hard because I couldn't get my head off the chair. And I opened my eyes to ask him to not press so hard. And he was gone. He was standing on the other side of the room with his arms up praying. And there was no one there, but his hand was still on my head. And I couldn't get out of the chair for about an hour uh, because it stayed on my head. (laughs) So I didn't know what to do. Everybody kept saying, get up, and I said, I can't.
0: (laughs) Now, to me, that's a good way to get healed. I love it. (laughs) Have you ever prayed for someone that's been pinned to a chair and had an angel pressing their forehead? Have you ever done that?
1: We did have that one time. A young man came who had a frozen shoulder, and he was a swimmer on a swim team. And his mother brought him, and we prayed for him. And after the prayer, she said, okay, please thank Judith and her husband, and let's go. And the young man could not get out of the chair. And she said, of course you can get up. Get up, get up. And he said, I can't. Something's holding me in the chair.
0: Now, what was holding him? What was holding you? Do you know?
1: Uh, I think, well, all I can assume is it was an angel, a healing angel.
0: And he hadn't finished with you, so he wanted you in place till he finished getting rid of the cancer.
1: It's kind of like when you have, we think of sometimes God's powers like radiation treatments. you know, that people have to have sometimes. Right. You have. You have to hold still, and that radiation just kind of goes through you when you're getting a treatment. Well... God's love and God's power is the same way. It's kind of coursing through your body, and you don't want to go on to something else till He's finished with you.
0: Tell me about the first time you saw an angel, all the way back in
1: nineteen seventy four. Well, uh, yeah, first first time was an extraordinary experience. I mean, when you when you see them, they're so otherworldly that it it just stuns you. I mean, they're that's why I think in the Bible it always says, "Fear not." Uh, because in, in our humanity, uh, we're overwhelmed with their brightness and their life and what they communicate. It's just an incredible experience. Even to this day, when God allows me to see one, I have the same reaction. It's still not just, oh, well, there's an angel.
0: <laughs> but, okay, what did you see the first time you saw an angel?
1: Well, the first, uh, first time I saw angels, they were in what I call their spiritual bodies. Uh, Like angels appear either invisible, and we feel their presence, sense them there, or they're in their spiritual body, which is a bright, glowing, radiant being, large, very large, or they're in human form. They take on a human form. And so we don't always know it's an angel until they disappear in front of our eyes like yours.
0: But what did you see with an angel in their spiritual body? What did you observe with your eyes?
1: Yeah, what you see is pretty much what's described in the Scripture, the large glowing, their clothes, like in the Bible it talks about them being like lightning. Uh, Their clothes are radiant, it's a light beyond this world. They don't have, they, they, they have eyes, they have a face. I'll
0: tell you what, we'll pick up right here on tomorrow's broadcast. I asked you on yesterday's broadcast the first time you saw an angel, and you said angels come normally in three forms. Uh, they, they they come either in the form of a human, or they come in their uh, spirit body. Uh, and uh, what is the third way they come?
1: They're invisible, but we can sense their presence. We, we feel this overwhelming love and joy and presence of heaven, the kingdom.
0: Now, explain to me why every once in a while I'll feel something touch my head. Is that an angel? And why is that happening?
1: That's a, that's a great experience. I have some of those stories in the book where people are are hurting and they're they're you know crying out to God for something, and they'll feel a hand on their shoulder, open their eyes, and there's no one there or on their head. One man who was in the hospital crying out to God felt arms go around him and held him all night, but there was no one there. You know, so that's what I call their invisible bodies. They, they show up and they can actually touch us uh, or hold us. It, it, it's just an incredible experience because we can't see them with our eyes.
0: Well, let's go back to your first encounter. It was back in 79. Your eyes were opened, and you saw angels for the first time. Describe to me what you saw.
1: Well, I think to say about angels is they're very much like people, and there's there's no two that are alike. I think people kind of uh, have a little stamp of what an angel should look like. And they're all very different because God in his creative powers makes them all very different. But that in their spiritual bodies, they can be anywhere from 8 to 10 feet tall, and they're these radiant, it's like lightning coming out of them. It's this brilliant light, and their eyes are incredible. Their eyes are what I notice, and their smile, they have this incredible joy and love that comes out of them. Sometimes their eyes are like fire, which is so exciting. (laughs) It's just like coals. Other times they're this brilliant blue, like the heavens, uh, they have different color hair. Uh, many people think of angels with blonde hair, but it's really very unique and different to each angel. They have different colored garments. Uh, some have blue, very rich, shimmering like the ocean. Uh, those are usually healing angels, the, the ones in blue. Uh, so they're all very.:
0: Have you ever actually seen a healing angel and then seen the results of them being in the room? Oh, yes. Tell me one story.
1: Well, uh, one conference we were at one time said, I had this vision turned in by five people, and I saw it myself, and I kept those. But the whole back of the room disappeared. It was a large sanctuary, and a staircase, a golden staircase appeared, and Jesus came into the room down the staircase with just multitudes of angels behind him. And Jesus went over to the sick people that had come forward for prayer, and he placed his hands on them. And after a while, he would go to another one, and an angel or two angels would come to the sick person and stay with them until they were totally healed. And we had that that vision turned in all over the world. People have turned that vision in to me.
0: Tell me what the purposes of angels are.
1: Well, they have so many purposes, as I listed in the book. You know, they execute judgment. They, they bring the law. They help us interpret the law. They come with Jesus at the end of time. One of my favorite ones uh, that they did when Jesus was born is they protected his life from the time he was conceived uh, all the way to the resurrection. So he had this wonderful companionship with them. Uh, they, they guard us, they protect us, they bring us messages. They fight spiritual battles against the demonic realm for us. That's one of their primary roles, especially Michael, who's in charge of spiritual warfare.
0: Have you ever seen some of these famous angels like Michael or Gabriel?
1: I saw. Yes, I've seen all of those. Yes.
0: What's Michael look like?
1: Michael, it's interesting. I've had a lot of uh people send me
0: See so he, he's he's the angel for Israel. That's why I'm intrigued he with, is. with Michael
1: Yeah. He is. He's the champion of Israel and fights on behalf of Israel and yeah, he's he's always uh like a warrior. He's he's dressed like a warrior. There's one woman who sent uh, in my book a detailed account of his clothing and I intentionally left that in the book because that's exactly what he looks like with his sword. He's got a two-edged sword that's massive. And he's broad and he's he's mighty and has on like this, this soldier's uniform. I mean, like, you know, from the Romans or something. It's an incredible, fierce-looking warrior.
0: Can every believer see into the spirit world when God opens their eyes and see angels, or is it just special believers like you?
1: No, no, I believe anyone can when God opens their eyes. And I've had lots of reports after people, this book has only been out for about, you know, a few weeks, and people that have read it have already said their eyes have been opened into the spiritual realm. I'm getting letters already.
0: What stops us? Let's look at it that way. What, in your opinion, stops a believer from being normal? What you're describing is normal, but compared to most Christians, it's extraordinary, but it's supposed to be normal. What's stopping us?
1: Well, I think we've lost. uh, That's why I love your program. Uh, I think we've lost our belief in the supernatural realm sometime around the Middle Ages. You know, all that started going out the door, and we've ended up with a religion without a lot of power and without a supernatural
0: awareness? Uh, you know, I'm a very logical uh, type of person. Uh, I, I mean, that that's the way my, you know, I'm, 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 I'm built. And yes. that's one of my greatest assets. But it also happens to be one of my greatest liabilities because logic goes out the window if you don't have all the facts. And when you're dealing with the invisible realm, the only way you can get the facts is the Bible. <laughs>
1: I know. That's yeah. You got to. But
0: but it's almost like a war of this great gift God's given me of being pragmatic and logical, and then opening myself up to something that transcends logic because I don't have all the facts.
1: I know. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse, is what you're saying. I think.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I wish I wasn't so logical. <laughs>
1: well, my husband, who has, you know. Eight years seminary and all the different theological degrees has never seen an angel. Uh, But he has more faith than anyone I've ever met, including myself, in healing and the supernatural. But God has never opened his eyes to that. And I think part of it is, is because you just described yourself that way.
0: But although I describe myself that way, I feel angels all the time around me. I can literally—I mean, uh, tell me some ways that we might be able to know there's an angel who we can't see with our eyes.
1: Well, some people, some people write off what they're seeing and what they're hearing and what they're feeling. They'll say, oh, well, you know, like, uh, my assistant wanted to see angels. She really wanted to see them, to know that we were protected. And God opened her eyes. She prayed for a few months, Lord, if it's your will, let me see an angel— And I was speaking one time, and she was looking at me, and three angels stepped out. She said it was almost like coming out from behind a curtain. And they were surrounding me, and they were protecting me. And it just made her release all her fear about traveling and all the things we're involved in. So some people will see flecks of light. Some people will see, like... uh, um, golden person. i
0: i I have a friend that 's an evangelist, and he says to me that every once in a while God opens his eyes and he 'll see a light over an individual, and he knows he 's supposed to pray for that person
1: that's that's a wonderful thing you know if you look in in arts religious arts, they always have that light around people right you know it 's like a halo, but mm-hmm. it 's a light. That's basically what you see when you're seeing that over a person. It's like a light comes on them. I know a lot of healing evangelists are just people that used to see that, and they need to pay attention to that person.
0: Uh, tell me about uh, a term I hear a lot, guardian angel. Tell me about a guardian angel. Uh, what is
1: it? Well, the, the tradition has been in the Church uh, since about the year 500 that guardian angels are assigned to us when we're born. Uh, Psalm ninety-one talks about angels guarding us. Jesus Himself said, "Be very careful how you treat little ones, because their their angel their angel is always beholding my Father's face." You know, so Jesus indicated that we have angels that are assigned to us. I I personally believe that every single believer has a guardian angel. Uh, I do believe that, but I believe that people at times in their lives have special angels angel sent on assignment to help them.
0: T- tell me about the time you were going to meet a friend at the florist shop, uh, and uh, the angel uh, uh, saved that person's life.
1: In Jerusalem, uh, we, we were meeting. I was with a friend, and my friend Lynn uh, was with another friend, and we were going to meet at a florist in Jerusalem at, say, 5 o'clock. And the whole time I was walking there, I kept hearing a a voice say, stop, don't go there, stop. And I kept ignoring it. And finally, on the third time, I told my friend, I said, I keep hearing this voice that we're supposed to stop. He said, please, let's pay attention to it. He had more sense than I did. He said, let's pray. So we stopped and we joined hands and we prayed for several minutes, you know, five or ten minutes. Just, Lord, give us direction. What should we do? And within no time, there was a bomb, there was an explosion, a terrorist bomb that went off at this florist, and it killed everyone that was around it. It was just a horrible, tragic uh, time, and uh, God really saved my life, and of course, I was
0: Oops, we're of out of time. I'm so interested in what you're saying. But all of these stories are so—they're uh, going to build your faith when you read these stories that uh, Judith McNutt has had in her brand new book, Angels Are For Real. It's biblically sound, biblical answers to questions you've been pondering about the uh, angelic realm. And so many people, when they read the book, begin to realize there are angels in their life and begin to see them for the first time. We're making the book and two special CDs, one called the Ministry of Angels, and the other, a revolutionary King uh, type of teaching that is really old, but we just don't talk about it. The Kingdom of God from a Hebraic viewpoint, uh, and really, she feels this is the key to anyone's transformation. The two CDs and the book available for a gift of thirty dollars. Call our order only line one eight hundred. 447 2697 447 2697 Many people hear a voice or feel something or uh, uh, have communication. How do you know whether it's uh, Jesus, whether it's God, whether it's the Holy Spirit, whether it's an angel, or whether it's a demon? How do you know?
1: You know, I get asked that question quite a bit, Sid, because uh, people say, how can I tell the difference in God and Jesus and all that? And uh, Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice and follow me. So when Jesus speaks to me, there's a knowing in that voice that I've come to know, the voice of the beloved I call his voice. But when an angel speaks to me, it's more like they're standing right beside me. Uh, they're, they're, They're located next to me. Not within me. Maybe that will help people more because the, the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God the Father are Abba's right within us speaking. The angels aren't, they're around us.
0: Now, tell me, because I feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to do this at this moment. I'm not sure why, uh, but uh, you were in one state and a good friend of yours was in the hospital that suffered a massive heart attack. So you and your husband, Francis, prayed for her. What happened? Well,
1: it was actually a man, yes, that was in our prayer group. And we got the word to pray, and we did. We were really interceding for his healing. And this man was not a believer yet. His wife was a believer, who was our friend, too. But anyway, while uh, in the middle of the night, the man was in the hospital, he was really pretty comatose. I mean, he was out of it most of the evening, but he, and they sent his wife home and said they, they didn't know if he'd lived through the night. He woke up in the middle of the night, and my husband was standing at the foot of the bed, holding his arms out, praying for him. And the man tried to say hello to him, and my husband just told him to relax. And every time he opened his eyes that night, he would see my husband at the foot of the bed. And the next morning, he was totally, completely healed. His heart showed no signs of a heart attack, and it was all on the test before.
0: Now, now how did uh, your, but, but your, your husband get there from another state?
1: Well, that's it. My husband and I were in California, and this man was in Florida. And so our secretary called and said that the man had been healed and said, did you fly back to Florida last night? And he said, no, I've been asleep all night. So what what we really gathered from that experience, because we've had it happen several times to other people, was that this was an angel that took on a form that was familiar to the man that was sick. So he actually took on the form of my husband and uh, was healed by the angel.
0: Speaking of taking on forms, there was a controversy a uh, a few years back about whether... angels could take on the form of a female. Uh, what do you think about that? Because there's nowhere, nowhere in the Bible that I'm aware of that it talks about a female angel.
1: Yeah, no, I think they can take on any form they want to. I think uh, I was praying with a man one time, and he saw three female angels standing over him praying. And his wife said, that makes sense. He's always liked women and felt more comfortable with them. <laughs> so I think they could take on any form. They're really uh, basic... I,
0: I've actually never had any problem with it, but people yeah. say they don't see a case in the Bible, but there's lots of things we don't see in the Bible because the Bible well, doesn't have everything.
1: That's true. I mean, there's a continued revelation going on here, but angels can take on any form they want to, and they frequently... I've, I have stories where angels take on the appearance of children.
0: Hmm. Oh, oh uh, By the way, Uh, Tell me about the time you lost your
1: ring. Oh, that's a great story. My dad and I had been estranged for a while. We'd had a difficult relationship, and he came down to the Bahamas to to be with my brother and me. And it was my 30th birthday, and my dad, who had never given me a gift really in my life, uh, took me shopping that day and bought a beautiful ring for me, which just meant the world to me. And uh, I had it for a few years, and one night I was out with friends, and when I got back to my condo, the ring was gone. It had just simply slipped off my finger. And I was devastated, but I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I got my Bible, and I sat in my prayer chair, and I prayed. Then finally, around 3 in the morning, I went to bed, put my Bible back in the chair, got up the next morning, uh, got ready for work, was headed to work, and the Lord said, go back, and I went back. And uh, the room, which was very dark, uh, was suddenly glowing, and I saw this this twinkle of light, and there on top of my Bible uh, was my ring. And I had asked the Lord right before I went to sleep, if you don't mind, you could send an angel to bring it back to me. And I still don't know why I prayed that prayer. I wouldn't even think of praying that, to ask a mighty angel of God to go do something that mundane. (laughs) But he did, and uh, after I got the ring back, uh, I felt God said to me, Now it is twice given by fathers, your earthly father and your heavenly father. It was just a very precious gift.
0: Um, You have stories in your book about supernatural protection in war situations, angelic protection. Tell me one.
1: Well, there was a wonderful story that was sent in uh, by a man that was in Vietnam during the war, and he drove his lieutenant uh, one day to go to a meeting, and he parked uh, the jeep alongside the road at this camp, and the, the lieutenant went on into the meeting. And the man was sitting in the jeep, and a Marine, he was a Marine, came up over an embankment. And called to him and said, "Mortars are going to be coming in. Move your jeep. they're going to land right there And he kind of waved to him and he got in the jeep, moved the jeep, and then he got behind a barrier and within seconds, uh, mortars came in and blew up the whole area where his jeep had been parked and When he went to find that marine, there was no one there that fit that description at all, and he kn- he knew he didn't know then it was an angel. But years later, when he became a Christian, uh, he realized that God had sent an angel to protect him.
0: Now, you have seen, because you've talked about it, uh, angels. You have heard angels singing as you worship God. Have you ever heard instruments uh, along with the singing?
1: I have, and other people have, too, that spend a lot of time in worship. These are people who are, are dedicated to worship. And they're people, I'm a musician myself, but these are people who are dedicated musicians, you know, it's their career. And they say that the instruments, and this is what I experienced, that, that are being played are not of this world, that they don't sound like any instruments that we have. So they have their own instruments.
0: And tell me about the person uh, that had severe, is it TMJ?
1: Oh, TMJ, yes. It was a young mom, and she had terrible TMJ. And I can tell you I had that once in my life. It's, it's horribly painful. And she and her husband had a little baby, and they were, they were poor. They, it was like 70% of his salary went to pay the mortgage, so she couldn't go to a doctor uh, to, to have it examined or have it fixed. And she, that night, just really cried out to God. She said, please, please take the pain away because it was just crippling her. And she felt, she was in bed with her husband and she felt this hand go all the way across her face. And at first she thought it might be her husband, but she said his hand wasn't that big. It was a very large hand and it was hot. She said it just had this warmth and heat coming out of it. And it stayed there for a while. And when the hand moved, of course, it wasn't her husband. When the hand moved, her her jaw was totally healed, and the pain was all gone. And it never came back. Yeah, that was a great story.
0: What is the reason that someone should read your book? What, I mean, uh, what is your goal to have accomplished in someone's life?
1: Well, I, b- I believe angels are a stepping stone to the larger reality of the kingdom of God. And I I believe that all of us, you know, as a psychologist, uh, I see people struggling with loneliness and, and skepticism and pain and depression. And this book really answers a lot of those questions, and it lets people know that they're not alone, that God loves them so much, that he sent these mighty, mighty angels to be with them and to help them. I just really wrote it to encourage people uh, in their spiritual journey and in their earthly journey.
0: Uh, You have a prayer in the book in which uh, people give permission to be able to see angels. In other words, they say, God, I'm taking my limits off. If you want to show me an angel, please do. But what—and the book's just brand new— But are you getting feedback that people's eyes are being opened as they read your book?
1: Yes, we're getting all kinds of feedback. I had a meeting last Friday with our prayer ministers, and two of them that had read the book have already seen angels for the first time uh, while they were in prayer. Yes. So we're getting emails and some, some letters, feedback that people are actually seeing and experiencing angels for the first time. It's very exciting.
0: Judith McNutt, I've I've heard stories of people that have been with people that have died, and they have literally, uh, some of them, have had visitations of angels at death. Uh, Tell me one.
1: This is a very common experience. You know, I train hospital chaplains, and uh, they just have all kinds of experiences with angels coming in when someone's dying. But... uh, Yeah, one of my friends here, she's a bishop's wife, her mom was dying of emphysema, and uh, she called, Emmy is my friend, she called her daughter, Emmy, into the room, and she said, Emmy, there's angels all over the room here, and she wasn't seeing the room anymore. The room had kind of disappeared, and she was seeing into the spiritual realm, into heaven, and there was flowers all up and down the side and angels all over, and she said, the angels want me to go with them. And Emmy, who's a beautiful, spirit-filled believer, said, you have to go with them. And they joined hands and they prayed. And within a few moments, her mom said, I'm going with the angels now. And she closed her eyes and died. Uh, why,
0: why is it that many people, uh, uh, I've heard these stories, uh, they... Uh, they're holding on to life, and then their loved one says, it's okay if you go. And the minute they give permission, they just slip right out of their body.
1: Yes, that that happened with my mother. My mother had a massive cerebral hemorrhage when she was 61, and I was only 25, and I just didn't want to let her go. And she really was suffering in intensive care. And I stood by her bed, and I realized that, I felt the angels there, and I knew she was a strong, coarse Christian. And I knew, a nurse walked up to me, and she said, I don't know what's keeping your mother alive. Every system in her body is shutting down. And I realized at that moment she needed me to let her go. And I said, Mom, I said, you've been a great mother. I love you so much. I want you to go and be with Jesus. And I said, we're going to be fine. And at that moment, because she was hooked up to machines, at that moment, She flatlined. She just left. And uh, it was like permission was needed. You know, she was the ultimate caretaker, like most moms, and uh, thought we needed her. So when I said, we don't, you can go, she just went right on with the angels.
0: I I love the supernatural protection that angels provide. For instance, tell me about your friend Edna. Uh, It's late at night, and she has a flat tire. And she was in a place where no one was there. I mean, that's a horrible predicament.
1: Well, it was for a a little old lady. We always called her a little old lady. She's so sweet. But anyway, she stood beside the car. She was on Interstate 4 here in in, uh, Florida, stood by the car, said, Lord, please send me help. Now, she wasn't necessarily thinking of an angel. She just wanted help. And I've had this story turned in so many times. An old rusty pickup truck pulled up. And a young man got out of it. He had on blue jeans and a torn T-shirt. And he walked over to her and smiled. She said she saw heaven in his eyes. <laughs> and he got down. He changed the tire. And when he stood up, he never said a word. And she looked right in his eyes. And she said, I know who you are. And he smiled. And he got back in the pickup truck. And just for effect, the truck and the man just instantly disappeared, just evaporated. And Edna called me that night, and she said it was an angel of God in an old pickup truck. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of my favorite stories. Yeah.
0: Well, that I can understand. Now, your eyes have been opened to the spirit realm. You see angels all the time. You see demons all the time. Can you actually tell the difference between either, As when your eyes are opened?
1: Well, yes. When your eyes are open, they're open to both realms, of course, uh, the spiritual realm around us. And uh, I only see demons when I'm praying for someone for discernment. You know the gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in Corinthians.
0: Uh, What are are some? uh, So, what do the demons look like?
1: Well, they're they're very grotesque looking. They're very dark. There's no light in them. I think is the most important thing to say. They, you know, angels are brilliant light. Holy angels are. But demons are dark. They're more like shadows. There's no light in them.
0: And what does some demons cause based on your experience of praying for people?
1: Well, I think demons can cause everything from physical illness to emotional illness uh, to addiction, uh, depression, depression. Uh,
0: uh, there's a new phenomena because of the Internet. So many people are getting caught up into pornography. Do you think there's a demon associated with
1: that? Uh, yes. I had a healing service night before last at a local church. Three young men in their, I'd say, mid-20s to mid-30s, all three of them were addicted to pornography. They came up in the healing line for prayer. And all three of them went through deliverance and inner healing. Yes a very serious problem in today's world.
0: And what do... Uh, w- 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 I've asked you about what uh, the dark side cause? What do angels cause? Why why do they come on the scene? Tell me some reasons.
1: Well, I think angels... Uh, I think angels cause us to be good and cause us to be holy. I think they bring, you know, the essence of the kingdom of heaven. They bring goodness and a desire to be good and desire to be obedient. I mean, when they come, they bring this wonderful presence with them of heaven. Uh, and, and, uh, and we live in that when they're near us.
0: And out of curiosity, when you see the demonic, are you afraid?
1: No, not at all. No. I was in the beginning because I didn't understand. The authority that believers have in the name of jesus tell,
0: tell me what happens in the invisible world when that you actually can see a demon and you command them to leave in the name of Jesus what do you have you seen with your eyes
1: well basically uh, they just disappear I mean they just evaporate they they just go away i mean it's just like an instant disappearing because they don't have the authority to be there anymore it's like when Jesus cast a demon out of people. You know, they just vanished. They go back into the spiritual realm.
0: And you said this yesterday, you started talking about, or the day before, when you, the angels like to worship with you. Uh, Why do they like to worship God so much?
1: Well, I think angels are are pure love. I think they're just created with just this uh, magnificent love within them, and They love God, and they also love us. And when you're in love, you know, don't you remember when you're in love for the first time? You're just really happy, and you're singing praises of the person. (laughs) It's like when you're just so in love with God, your Creator. It just comes out of you all the time, This, this love. It's a love story.
0: And tell me about that uh, Episcopal priest uh, that uh, you spoke about angels for about 10 minutes or so, uh, and he was very skeptical And what Uh, happened to him.
1: Richard, his name is Richard. He just went to heaven about two months ago, dear friend, he and his wife. Well, he
0: knows it all now, but go ahead.
1: (laughs) I'm counting on it, but he came up and he started arguing with me, you know, in a friendly way. That angels uh, just, that, that I shouldn't talk about angels and, you know, why am I doing that? And so, anyway, he had us to dinner one night at his home and we argued for a while just good naturedly. And my husband got into it with a the theological piece. And so, anyway, I finally asked Richard, I said, Richard, the only way to deal with this is if God allows you to see an angel. I said, would you allow me to pray that prayer with you? And he said, well, I guess so. And we prayed the prayer. And just a few days later, he called me and told me the most wonderful story. He was asleep beside his wife in bed. And he was a very large man. He was like six foot six or six foot seven, large, handsome, strong looking man. But he felt someone in the bedroom. You know, when he woke up, he knew somebody was in there. And he opened his eyes. And this magnificent, large, radiant, glowing angel was standing right at the foot of the bed. And he started to sit up, and the angel just told him, just stay in bed. And he held out his hands, the angel did, just like, here I am. You wanted to see me, here I am. And at that moment, the angel just turned around and walked through the wall and left. (laughs) And so... Richard said from that time on, he really believed in angels, of course.
0: Well, I I, I have to tell you, I'm so excited about the results, even though the the book is just literally off the press. It's brand new, but you're getting—because you have a supernatural prayer and a ministry that as you talk about the invisible realm— Uh, It activates something in the person that is reading the book. They hear your experiences and stories and that you're teaching from the Bible. Uh, You talk about what forms angels take, what assignments they have, why they're important in our lives. Uh, And when you teach, our eyes are literally opened and people will realize and discern the working of angels the book is called angels are for real and the two CDs uh, the first one is the ministry of angels and the other is on the kingdom of God you call this the major key to transformation available for a gift of thirty dollars there's the Shabbat broadcast the Lord is blessing you the Lord is keeping you the Lord is he loves you so much, he's smiling upon you right now. Uh, the Lord has just put his supernatural protection. It's all around you. He's, the Lord has gifted you. The Lord has favored you. The Lord is giving you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. And if you would just believe and put your hand wherever you're sick or hurting and do that right now, in Jesus' name, you are healed.
1: Jer are ad en af
0: To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming mishpocha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sidroth, Post Office Box, 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast... Send a donation to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.